Hey, Stormtroopers! Welcome back to What a Shitstorm podcast. I'm Bailey. And I'm Maddie. So, guys, we just wanted to say thank you so much for giving us feedback on this new revamp that we have and just giving us feedback on these episodes. Um, we're so happy to be back and recording, and we just wanted to say thank you so much. So, Bailey, what is the forecast for today? Mental health. Woo! So me and Bailey decided for this episode that we are going to do mental health. We have various reasons on why we want to do mental health. Um, Just to give you a little insight on this podcast and how we decided topics, it really was just whatever came to mind. It was nothing specific. It wasn't like, okay, this is going to be just about relationships or yeah, I don't know if you guys ever listened to like call me, call, call me, call her daddy, call her daddy, call her daddy or like thought shit and um for fact's sake like those are all subjects that a podcast just goes on to and we kind of just wanted to you know create varieties and give us a horizon of things to discuss and just let people know how we are and how we've learned things so going into mental health today um we just wanted to go over some things and how mental health has affected us, um, some things that we've learned about mental health, and just have a really good discussion on why we think this is something that we should talk about. So going into it, I'm going to have Bailey do the suicide hotline, talk about that, and then we will hop into more of a conversation. So Bailey, whenever you're ready. Okay. So, the National Suicide uh, Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255 or 1-800-273-TALK. For veterans in a crisis, you can press 1 and be directed to local VA resources. There are also deaf, hard of hearing um, chat options. And then, if you want it in uh, Spanish, you call one 888-628-9454. There is a text crisis line, which you can text home to 741-741. And then there's also a bunch of different helplines. There is like a, the friendship line, the LGBT national hotline, national parent helpline. So a bunch of them, we will put this link in the description box so that if anyone needs it, you guys have access to all of those hotlines. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm going to start with my question because Bailey is going to be the head of this podcast (laughs) today. Um, She is going to take this shit over. So I'm just going to talk about two things that I thought that came to my brain because nothing else did. So, first thing is mental men, mental <laughs> mental health days at work. So, what I mean by that is I feel like as um I don't know, the century, this era, I don't even know what we want to call it, as Gen Zers have becoming taken over this world, we have talked about people needing mental health days. So, I'm going to ask you first, Bailey, what you think of mental health days, and then I'm going to talk about what I feel, 
and then if you guys want to tell us how you guys feel about mental health days great if you don't that's fine you can just listen to us talk and blabber about it but so bailey can you tell me what you think mental health days are if you think they're necessary if you think gen zers are just bullshitting that thing and that like what and what do you describe a mental health day like what do you think considered would be like a mental health day okay so lots of questions wrapped up into one (laughs) um I do believe that we should have mental health days at work because there are some days where you wake up and, you know, you're, you either have depression or a lot of anxiety or whatever mental health um, disorders you would struggle with. Those can become so overbearing that it's not, you, you know, you can't work, you can't focus, concentrate, you can't even complete tasks. So I think that it is something that is necessary. I do think that some people take advantage of it and say that they need a mental health day when they don't. Uh, just being in our department there, you know, they're, and even when my old jobs, I have seen people post, they're like, oh, I need a mental health day. And then they're off doing like, a huge big activity and it's because they couldn't get it off so I think as long as it's truthful you know there are like mental health days look different for everyone some people do you know skincare and take care of themselves that way some people have to go outside and do like certain activities so it makes sense but um if I've also heard about it beforehand um that they wanted to do something and they didn't get off and then that day apparently they need a mental health day that's where I'm like okay they're kind of abusing it because people do actually really struggle with mental health and they do need days off and so those people that say it and then you know you catch them in the lie that that just that sucks and it ruins it for the other people um so I do I mean I do believe it's important to have those and I think that it's a very like valid reason for if people need to call out because your emotional and mental state can actually make you physically ill. So if you're not somewhere emotionally um, and mentally that you can perform, it can affect like your body and make your body not perform as it should. So those are kind of my thoughts on it. Um, what were your thoughts that you want to talk about? So mental, men, mental, I want to say mental, <laughs> mental health days at work. I'm indifferent and I do not want to offend anyone with my opinion here. So I'm so sorry if you do not like it, but for most part, I feel like I'm against mental health days and I will give you my reason why. One reason it's like you said, people do take advantage of mental health days, 1000%. Me and Bailey have seen it as supervisors. We have seen this happen. Um, a big thing for me, and it's a big reason why I feel like it is not necessary, is we have weekends. For those who work, don't have weekends. Like, have weekends off, you know? If you're working a 40-hour shift, and you're working Monday through Friday, and, you know, all that fun stuff, I think the weekend is where you can you know, recuperate your mind and get it into a mental state for your upcoming week. 
Of course, not everyone can do this. And sometimes weekends for like parents is take my kids to soccer, take my kids to dance school. I need to get all the chores done this weekend. I need to take my dogs to the vet. Um, I have to take care of my parents. Just, you know, a long list of things. And of course, I understand that. But to play devil's advocate for mental health, I do think when you do have a mental illness and you've gone to the doctor or you're on medication and you know, like, your your employer knows, not that they need to know, but, like, they know that you have struggled in the past. I do think it is important to have mental health days if you need it, right? Um, you know, seeing you, seeing me, we both struggle with different things and I feel like, you know, there are days where I'm like, I just can't do this today. But that may be something where you might slack off more at work that day or something like that. Alexis, if you're hearing this, <laughs> what would I just said? But, um, you know, just putting it out there, my feelings are pretty indifferent about it. I think people do have valid reasons of wanting a mental health day. And I can also see reasons of why it's not a great thing. And so... That's just my opinion. I'm not going to go too in-depth because we do have quite a few topics to go over. But that is a big thing for me. Second thing I wanted to go over here is parents with mental health. So, um, Bailey, does anyone in your family or whether they've admitted or not have a mental illness that you think they have or they haven't discussed or you know, anything like that, or if you do have a parent with mental illness, how do you cope with that, and how do you deal with it? Okay, so I do have several family members that struggle with mental health issues, um, just out of, like, respect for them, and people that, you know, know my family, and listen, I won't exactly say specifics, so, but I do know that within my family, and this will, like, It'll go into stuff that I'll discuss later. Um, it's kind of a little bit passed down within my family. And, you know, ever they, they kind of struggle with it. And um, <clears throat> But they've also gotten the necessary help that they've needed. Well, at least some of them have. And that has helped our relationships become better. For the ones that maybe, you know, haven't got specifically the help that they should... Um, our relationships are still, you know, pretty decent. They're just not as strong because of certain conversations and certain levels that they're, <laughs> that they just aren't at. So it, it, it's really, it's also up to the person and how open they are with actually discussing their mental health with you because... I've had some of my family members and they're very open to it and they, you know, they repeat to me like that mental health matters and so talking about my feelings and how I felt um, has been really good because I did keep it from them for a really long time because I didn't know that they were actually struggling and have struggled with it in the past and so once it came out that they know what I'm going through and um, they've been there and that I wasn't alone that actually really helped me understand them and grow more connected to them on a different level so that's kind of how I've um, dealt with like parents with 
mental health. <laughs> okay. So, I would say, um, definitely, I would say my family doesn't have it nearly as bad. Um, I don't even know if that's the right wording to say, but it, they don't, first of all, they don't express it. They've never talked about it. When I, um, was going through it, especially during my high school years, I would refuse to go to school. I would refuse to really do anything. And during that time, when that was all happening, I actually had my grandpa on my mom's side. He had a heart attack and then my aunt had passed away. So not including the hard time I was having at work but or at school, I was having a hard time at home too and I just didn't want to do anything. So at that point in my life, my parents literally had no idea what was going on. They just didn't know. And I would say a really big thing is um, two of my family members, they do not really have any issues, like at all. <laughs> They're, they just, you know, they just don't talk about it, if anything. And, you know, that's, you know, where I think it comes in my family where it's really hard to talk about. So I actually have a family member and he does have mental illness he does whether or not he wants to know that he does or whether or not he does anything about it he definitely does and that has been a huge strainer on me and his relationship meaning that things have happened that you would never know or want to happen to somebody so i'll kind of explain these situations um and and then you'll kind of, and then I'll go in depth on how I feel like the mental illness had affected this. So at some point in my life, I got a car and I, sh um, and I didn't sign on it. It was just a present to me. And they, you know, we didn't, we had a verbal agreement that, okay, once you're out of hair school, that you would pay for the car. At that time, I was like, okay. And, you know, I was doing great and it was nice having this car and then at some point within the 13 days that I had this car, the person was holding over my head, was pissed that I was not seeing him as much, stuff like that. And then my other family members got really upset that I took this present. It was a really negative thing. I made people cry. It was not great. And so people or family members were just like, give it back, give it back. Like, you can't keep this car, you know? It's gonna be too expensive once you have to pay for this car and all these things. So I gave the car back. A year later, this person sued me over a car that was not under my name. It wasn't anything. And because of this, our relationship completely ended. And at this time, I was getting text messages and um, all this stuff about how I was just not a great person and that wasn't good but I think it was all coming deep down from the person who has issues themselves and I'll tell you those issues and how they correlate to mental illness is you know um my biggest thing is feeling like you have to give somebody money or gift or something big in order for them to think that that is accountable for something another person has done um, which isn't a big thing. So as I grew up, I grew up in a divorced household and my parents would fight over who paid more, who didn't pay more, who was more of a parent, who wasn't more of a parent. And 
that has always stuck with me as something that like only a conceited and some conceited person and someone that you know just wasn't right in the head for like depression reason for manic reasons they would do this so this specific person in my mind they have um they're bipolar of course they have very manic episodes and very depressive episodes and when and an outlet for them is to drink which is not the best outlet to have when you have mental illness coming from experience I'm sure Bailey has felt this way too um but they do have that and I find it very hard to connect with this person and be happy around them because of how they've done things in the past due to their mental illness to this day this person still hasn't gotten help uh, family members keep telling him to get help and he just does it and he's talked about doing therapy with our family and things like this but it's never happened so I feel like having a parent with mental illness can be very hard or a family member mm-hmm. um, or a sibling and dealing with that can put mental health more on you as well I feel like families that don't discuss it tend to not know about it. And then when they meet people, they're like, oh, I didn't know that was something that my family could have or that I had. I just thought Mm -hmm. that was normal. So I feel like I'm grateful for your family to talk Mm -hmm. about mental health, to advocate for it. Whereas my family never advocated for it. It was just like, you're a pussy. Like, Mm -hmm. that's life. That fucking sucks. Like, so that's my main kind of tidbit on it. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Some family members, like, well, when I first um, felt, like, I always felt sad and I always kind of felt depressed, but um, I didn't understand it. When I first said something to, so like, a person in my family, um, they just said, you're not, like, you're not depressed. You're just, you're just sad right now with how things are going. And it wasn't, you know, there, I've... I've been through a lot in my life and um, at the time that was something that I was like okay I felt just really invalidated about my feelings and that's why I kind of didn't want to talk to anyone about it so that brings me to my question about like how you know it kind of ties in how our parents or family members with mental health um, how that's kind of affected us but how it has our own mental health affected our lives i feel like that is a big question (laughs) it's a loaded question um i feel like for most part when you have mental illness you try to find your outlets for those that don't have an outlet figure out your outlet um in my life as i during my high school years as i talked about in the previous conversation is that it was really hard for me to be okay with life like I just seriously could not do it anymore not like I was like suicidal or anything but like I just did not want to be a human being and I just wanted to sit at home and do nothing um and that can get really hard on yourself when you're thinking okay I don't have any friends I don't want to leave the house especially for someone in my particular personality where I'm an outgoing person um that's a huge red flag (laughs) so I would say you know it's difficult and it's hard to get over but like right now I finally was just like 
I realized in myself that I would always be moody. I was always really irritated or really happy or anywhere in between. And at first I thought, okay, menstruation, like it's my period, mm-hmm. um, birth control, like I'm going to get on birth control, it's going to help. Um, eventually just stopped helping and then I went to my doctor and I was just like, I don't know what's going on with me. Am I bipolar? Like I literally was dead set that I was bipolar. Like, mm. I was like, I'm bipolar. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And they're like, oh, it just sounds like you have anxiety. Like, because you are just, you go from, like, certain situations trigger you. Bailey's learned a lot about mm-hmm. those triggers. But finally, I went on medication, and that has changed my world for a lot of reasons. Um, I can tell if I missed my pill. Sometimes I'm over overly excited and happy, and sometimes I'm like, you, you breathe, and I'm like, I want to kill you and leave me alone. So I can really tell. It's like being on your period, but times 10. So, and it really affects your relationships, you know, if you don't have that undercover, or not undercover, under control. And it can really make things a lot harder. Um, I would say a big thing that has helped me is our dogs, especially my Border Collie Australian Shepherd. Her name's Ancona. She has helped me a lot because she knows when I'm sad when I'm sad she'll come and like lick my face only bad thing is I've given her anxiety (laughs) so this girl we're anxiety sisters we're soul sisters so yeah (laughs) Uh, sorry because it's very true she just has the most (laughs) random like anxiety attacks and like times and she'll just be shaking and we're like what's wrong yeah what happened um (laughs) But thank you for thank you for sharing that. So I really, you know, I do agree. Um, we both so our dogs are ESA'd. I got my dog um, one because I wanted like a best buddy for life. Well, <laughs> their life. Uh, um, but I wanted one, and because we were moving out, and Maddie already had her dog. And then also, I have had a, so I have a dog, well, my parents now have a dog, Um, her name's Saki, so she's an Akita, and when I was going through my worst days, she was the one that brought me, like, to life, and she's the, she would always come hang out down in my room, she would always hang out downstairs, kind of like guard, um, my door and up like up the stairs she would always guard and so I was just really thankful for her and I actually got her name tattooed on me because of that um, but she was like my first emotional support animal without being <laughs> an actual like emotional support animal that's, that's how my parents dogs are like we made I have a family two family dogs like Bailey, they're a lot younger than Saki, but <laughs> they're two Labradors, and I made our girl dog Malibu because my black one Winston was more like my stepsister's dog, and um, and he just didn't. I wasn't his favorite person like I was with Malibu, but she was like everything to me. Like she was the best thing that could ever happen to me, and so mm-hmm. I was like, if I move out of this place, I have to get another dog, and that's how Ancona happened. <laughs> yeah and so when leaving when moving out of my dad's I knew I was like yeah I can't you know 
I don't know if I'd be able to survive without a, another dog. And, um, okay, so kind of going into that, that's why I have Blue. She's my ESA. She does freak out anytime I'm sad. She does come lick my face. And she does uh, what we call wiggle butts. And she won't stop wiggle butting um, and trying to get your attention. Like, she's very good at distracting you when you're sad. <laughs> it's great. Uh, so, going on with how mental health has affected my life. So, when I kind of started, like, feeling depressed and stuff, um, I it was in... So, a lot of it was in high school. And um, I had my mom move away from me um, at the age of 14. And so I was living with my dad full time. And that was a huge adjustment period for me. And it kind of it like triggered something within me. And so those years in high school, I was happy, but I was also very depressed. And I did a lot of things to hurt my body and in like multiple ways and I was actually kind of around the point where I was like I don't want to live anymore I wanted to unalive myself um so it was very hard for me and I hid everything from my parents my dad found out one day and that's when he sat me down and he talked to me about it we had actually we had a fight and we had a screaming match beforehand and then he found out about my mental health and like he immediately stopped and he's like okay and then so we sat down and talked about it and ever since that he got an understanding of my life and how I'd been feeling and he knew you know that I need more help that I was hiding a lot and so he was very good at being that father figure but also being that f like friend that advocated for me and um I remember I started going to therapy um for a few times and it helped I wasn't on any medication but I was just going to therapy for a little bit and then as the years went on I was like okay I was I was just kind of having my own outlets and I had a like party phase at a really young age and that's kind of how my outlet was and I was just distracting myself. I was I was also trying to suppress everything and I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, I, I don't have like depression. I don't have anxiety or anything like that, but I, you know, I did. I just didn't want to acknowledge any of it. So as I got older and I went to college, I took a class on love, um, abuse and like sex and stuff all of these things into one and we were reading books and I realized that there were times in my life that I had gone through and that were you know that hit to be like kind of protect a little bit of myself in my life and then the others in my life um they were just not you know good what I went through what they put me through and stuff like that. So I realized I needed a lot more help. And I went to the student health services at that college. And one of my favorite people ever um, helped me. Her name's April. She was a nurse practitioner there and she helped me so much. And she got me on 
medication and the first medication did not work. I actually had night terrors and I could not sleep. I had insomnia. Like I was terrified to sleep, didn't want anything. And my grades were plummeting. I was failing classes. I was hiding it from like my dad. I was depressed. I didn't want to go to school. So I was, I wasn't doing anything for myself really. And I think it also had an effect on my relationships and then the relationship I was in. So it, it just wasn't good. And then finally we got me on a very good medication. I got a different job. Uh, at the beginning of the job, it was great. Um, and then the job was not, and it was very, very hard on my mental health. So I ended up quitting because of it and I got a new job, which I'm still currently at, and it has helped my mental health so much. So the environment that I was in and then also how I needed, like I wasn't finding myself any help really affected a lot of, you know, my life. But now that I'm good and I'm healthy and I'm on the right medication and I just have like a million times better environment than I was in, um, work-wise and stuff, I've, you know, been a lot happier. And the fact that I can also just communicate it with, you know, other people. I've, I've been going to therapy for a while and I've been able to communicate everything and work through my issues. <laughs> and it's, it's helped me be able to openly communicate with other people that are struggling with my, you know, with my parents, my dad's become like my best friend and we talk about it. So that's kind of how it's affected my life. And that was a really long thing. So <laughs> the next thing I will ask is does being in a relationship, um, whether that's like a friendship well, we already talked about parentalship, so we don't need to go into that, or like an actual physical relationship. Um, and either if that person has mental health or like issues, or you do, like, does it affect the relationship itself? Um, it definitely does, whether or not each person notices or knows that they have a mental health issue. Um, just for example, um, I'll talk about me and you, and I'll talk about me and my boyfriend, just to kind of give a little insight. So, <laughs> so for me and you, I feel like since our mental health is so different, that we have, sometimes we're just like, like one day we're perfectly fine, and then one day we're just like, leave us, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. And then there's some days where we're perfectly fine. And then we'll go into each other's room and someone's like bawling on the floor. And we're like, what, what, what's <laughs> happening? Like what the fuck just happened? Mm -hmm. Um, for most part, I feel like between me and you, like since we're so aware of it and we both have talked about it a lot that it doesn't really affect our lives that much. Mm -hmm. You could tell me if I'm wrong, but like, because we have our dogs, which we didn't talk about Saint Oh, yeah. <laughs> we do have another dog. We have three dogs. We also have a husky. He's also ESA'd, but he's ESA'd under me. Um, he's still learning, <laughs> to say the least. Um, he's our baby, so he's definitely still learning. Um, I just had to bring him up. But it definitely, you know, has changed things. I feel like when we first started living with each other, it was really hard to navigate those waters. But as we've lived with each other for the last 
two to almost three years, it's been relatively easy for us to navigate. We know when to leave each other. Like, door shut, we know that this, Mm -hmm. that it's, like, time to leave each other alone. Um, As far as a relationship goes, it definitely can be a strainer. It's not under, like, make it or break it or it's nothing, but it's definitely a strainer depending on, like, you know, past relationships also give you issues Mm -hmm. and um, it can give you things that you might unnecessarily bring into a relationship that it doesn't need to be there. With that being said, um, I feel like because of this, because of things that you carry over, it can affect it. As long as you're open and you communicate and you work on it, it shouldn't affect it to the point where you guys can't be together anymore. Yeah. Of course, there are times that mental health will break people up. It will. But that's just a sign like, hey, you guys were not meant to eat for each other because you guys couldn't help each other work it through it. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you guys can't be together because you guys couldn't work through it or, but you have to have some sort of mental strongness or mental stability in order to work something with another person. And I feel like that's a big thing in a relationship is to have um, openness and communication on that topic. Me and my boyfriend, we talk about it all the time. And I think it's super important, and that's what keeps us afloat, and it doesn't drown us. Yeah, no, I I mean, I agree about our friendship, um, and I agree about the other thing. So with our friendship, it's kind of like I've been able to kind of navigate uh, when, you know, when you're having a hard day or when I'm at, like, having a hard day, you know, sometimes... Like, we've talked about you don't want to talk about things, and so I come in, and I'm like, oh, like, how are you? And you're like, I'm okay, or, like, I'm fine. I'm like, okay. And I was like, well, and I would say, like, if you want to talk about it, let me know. And then I just kind of have learned to kind of leave you alone, or, like, I'll give you a hug, but it's kind of, we're not big on, like, physical affection with each other sometimes, and so in that moment, I feel like it's kind of awkward, because I'm just like, they're there and they give me a hug and I'm like huh and because I don't want to push talking about it if you you know you don't want to and so I kind of just try and leave that open space for you to talk about it with me if you want or like when I've gone through stuff you know sometimes you'll like come and lay in my bed with me and then we'll just sit there and like watch tv because you know like I'm going through it or you're going through it and so um that's I feel like that's kind of how we've done it. But in the beginning, that was something that we definitely really struggled with. And I think that kind of also sometimes created, like, our fights in the beginning because we didn't know how to navigate. I would call Bailey sensitive and she would have a flip out moment on me. So, yes, I've learned. Yeah. Learned. It's because of other people in my past calling me sensitive and when I wasn't and it triggers me. So... Knowing triggers is very important. (laughs) Yes, knowing triggers is very important in any relationship, even, like, with your parents and stuff. So that's something that we've definitely, like, worked through um, with significant others and those type of relationships. um, Those can definitely really affect, like you were saying, and I agree. So I was in a very toxic relationship, and I was trying to do my best mentally to be better for that person and it they didn't 
they didn't even try. <laughs> they were very, like, horrible back and forth. I really do think that they had bipolar issues because one minute they were perfectly fine and the next minute they were not. And, you know, we'd be sitting in my car for hours and completely fine, next minute not, and going off on something that, you know, I didn't even say they would take things that I said completely wrong and situations like that, that that's why we ended is because it was, it was just toxic. Like there was so much back and forth because I was trying my best. I was not getting the effort and there was so much more about that. And then I also remember talking to someone and my mental health was good at this point. You know, it, it had never really been like that, but it was, it was good and it was on the up and I was so grateful for that. And I ta started talking to someone and they had mental health issues too. And I knew it because we were friends before and they had so much anxiety and they would have these panic attacks and I'd have to try and help them through them, but they lived in a different state. And it was something that was so hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. Um, just Maddie just realized who I was talking about. Um, so she was giving me a look. Um, but it was something that was super hard for me to deal with as where I just got my mental health to be good. That it took everything out of me to uh, calm them down from a panic attack and I didn't know like I was trying everything that I could and reassuring them and I just would feel exhausted after and it would happen like almost every single day maybe um every other day and it was something that I just I couldn't handle anymore and that made me you know stop wanting to talk to that person and there were of course other little issues too that I wasn't okay with um that they kind of had going on but the majority was like the mental health like I thought it would bring us closer together and it didn't it made our um relationship that we were trying to make work not work and that was something that I realized and I'm like okay I you know I can be with someone that has like has struggled with mental health I know that I can but they need to also get help they need to work on it they need to put in that effort and that effort wasn't there and that made me be like, okay, my next relationship, you know, if that person doesn't get help, I can't do it. And thankfully, and I love the person that I'm with, he doesn't have any like mental health issues. He's this happy, he's the happiest person all the time. It's so cute. Um, but it's also helped our relationship and it's also helped me because I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't have to help someone else. I just have to make sure that I'm good. But he also makes my mental health good because he's so happy. So, were you going to say something? <laughs> I was just going to say that he is a crackhead and that he's not like literal so crackhead. happy that he's annoying, you know? <laughs> like, he's like me. There's two of me in the house now. And mm -hmm. it actually breaks. You would think that because we're the same, we would hate each other and like we would get annoyed of each other. It never happens. Yeah. I make him go everywhere with me. Mm -hmm. because you don't want to go anywhere so I'm like come <laughs> on Gio let's go they're banned from shopping though yeah we buy too much stuff together <laughs> except we still go shopping together yes. anyways but we're not supposed to go together because we end up dropping like too much money yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then that makes you know their relationship good 
too, because they're, you know, it's just, he's a happy person. Like, it's hard to be sad around him. So, Bailey, talking about, like, how your boyfriend is so happy and how we have mental illness, can you give me or tell me what you've researched on some signs of mental health or mental mental illnesses? You know what I'm saying. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so there are very many different signs and symptoms. I will just kind of go through. How I mentioned um, earlier is I had insomnia. Um, I had, I got night terrors from the medication, but I already have, I still have like sleep insomnia. It's very hard for me to go to sleep. Um, it's crazy. And then I wake up at all times during the night. So it's still something that I have, but also people have known like early morning wakefulness. Like you wake up super, super early in the morning. You're like, I'm awake. awake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That doesn't happen to me. I'm (laughs) sleeping until like noon if I could. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes, hear me out, oversleeping too. Mm-hmm. Is that That's on your a sign. List? So sleeping too much is definitely on, a, on the signs, like when you see someone sleeping too much. And also it kind of, how we discussed earlier, sometimes you do need to sleep so much because of your mental, like your mental health. Like how I said that all of these, like the emotional and mental toll that it can take on you can make you feel sick. And so you need, like, you, migraines are a thing. Um, aches, pains, cramps that won't go away. Even, like, digestive problems. All of these, like, things can make you feel physically sick to where, like, you're, you know, you need to take that day off. You need to sleep so much. But sleeping too much, you know, some people have slept for 24, 48 hours. I've slept, up. like, 16 once, but I was yeah. sick. Yeah. So Sick doesn't different. count. <laughs> Sick doesn't count. So stuff like that. Um, trouble concentrating, remembering details and making decisions, feeling of guilt, worthlessness, helplessness, um, crankiness or irritability, restlessness. Um, loss of interest in things is a big one. Um, they even said like including sex, overeating or appetite loss. Uh, being anxious or having empty feelings, suicidal thoughts or attempts, um, loss of like pleasure in life. So those are a bunch of signs. They don't have any like pinpoint exact causes for depression. Um, A lot of it's just people's brain structures and the physical like difference um, that they have in their brains, the chemistry. So... Um, the chemicals in your brain are called neurotransmitters, so that that's what plays a part in, like, you feeling happy or sad, stuff like that. So, um, when you have depression, it could be because those chemicals are not balanced and they're not working the way that they should. Your hormones can cause a different, like, change. So, a lot of pregnant people, they have, like, postpartum depression, um, sometimes even people that are pregnant, they're depressed during their pregnancy. And like I said earlier, just genetics. Um, They haven't found like the genes and stuff, but if someone else has it, um, you're more likely going to get it if you're related to them. So those are just kind of the causes. And then there are so many different types of depression. There's very different, like there's bipolar, you know, 
manic, just major depressive. There's like depression with anxiety and then just anxiety on itself. So there's a lot of different things that we could, you know, go into on a different note. But I feel like a lot of people are kind of a little bit <laughs> aware in a sense. And then that's just something that if you wanted to talk to us personally, you are more than welcome to. So cool. So what are some of your, and we've kind of already talked about it, but briefly like safe spaces for you with your mental illness? So my biggest one is my room and my bed. Um, when I'm not feeling, even just if I'm feeling like sick, um, I love being in my bed. Like I love just, I do love sleeping because I don't get enough of it during the <laughs> night. I figured that out. And I was like, why do I love taking naps so much and like sleeping during the day? And I'm like, well, it's because I can't even sleep at night. Even if I haven't taken a nap the day prior or anything, like, I just don't sleep at night. So, my bed and, like, watching TV, reading a book, or listening to music, those all, like, help me a ton. But also going on drives. I love going on drives and clearing my head. Um, so, those are, like, my top safe spaces, like, where I feel completely, you know, safe. Um, but also being in the comfort of you know, people I love. So like my parents, um, you, my boyfriend being in those, like their open safe space, like my stepmom and my dad provide really good safe space for if I ever mm -hmm. need to talk about something. Um, so being in their presence really helps me. Do you have any safe spaces? My favorite one, other than my room and my bed as you, is the bath. Oh yes. Love <laughs> bathing. Like Bailey hates it, but I take a bath maybe almost every single day, if not maybe twice a day. 40-minute baths. <laughs> I will take a... I take, like, almost... I think I've been in there for an hour once. Like, oh, yeah. I just love baths. That's where I, like... I just relax. Um, a lot of people in my family take baths. A lot of people are like, you still take baths? And I'm like... Yeah. So, we're not to take baths. <laughs> like, I don't... I only take baths to, like, shave my legs most of the time and just watch a show. And, like, sure. I don't, like... I don't wash my hair in the bath. Random topic. But anyways, um, another one is um, going up to my parents' house. Um, even if they're not home, their house is, like, up in Ogden, away from, like, the city. It's more of, like, a ranchy-type place, and that's always been a safe place for me. Um, and then, honestly, like, I love cleaning, too. Like, cleaning also helps me clear my head, um... So, those are my main ones. I feel like most people are like, my bed, my dog. Mm -hmm. My dog's a big one, of course, as we've already talked about. So, yeah. Yeah, I think those are great. I didn't even think, like, my parents' place, it's, like, at the bottom of the mountains. So, that's a really good, you know, place. That's kind of where I drive. Actually, I drive to, or, like, not directly to their house because sometimes it could be, like, super late at night. They could be sleeping. But I drive um, around their area and there's a stop that there used to be a bench. It's not there anymore. Well, actually, I haven't been there for a while. So I don't know if they put another bench there. But this area that has a bench and I love like just sitting on it and looking at the lights at night, sunset. Um, although they do live near the goalie, so there are coyotes. So I've avoided going at night <laughs> because of that reason. There's more coyotes this um 
past year that they've seen and just the drive I've my grandparents used to live down the street their house was one of my biggest safe spaces I would go over there all the time if I was having you know if me and my dad were arguing or other things were going on with like my other parents and so I would go over there and just chill their basement was amazing big couch big tv loved it uh the next thing is do you know any stigmas about like girls versus boys with mental health the only stigma that i know is that boys don't show their feelings or can't or shouldn't show their feelings um other than that like that's really it i don't I don't think, like, personal opinion, like, I don't think women are, or men are very much different mental health-wise. Like, of course, they're going to have different, like, hormonal balances and stuff. But other than that, like, there should be no stigma. But you can tell me. Okay. So, yes. Men um, have been taught to kind of man up over the years and not say anything like what their their feelings have been very invalidated that if they were struggling mentally they were told to just like suck it up like man up and it's a bunch of toxic masculinity that has been instilled with them over the years that the they were always the ones that supposed to go out and be hardworking every single day the woman's supposed to stay home and cook and clean like they had so much toxic masculinity instilled from forever ago that they haven't been in touch or talked about their feelings and something that you know like I mentioned earlier is I go to therapy a lot and it's very cool to have an like actual like a guy therapist because he you know is able to talk like he doesn't talk about his feelings but he's able to talk and like help me with mine and that's something that you know and it's an unbiased opinion so that's really great to have too because my dad can only like tell me certain things but he's gonna be biased towards me and like how I feel and I need an unbiased opinion and it's just great doing that so I do have some um statistics on it actually and so there's an Instagram account and it's called happiness project and so this month is men's health month and instead of saying man up everyone's saying speak up and so um let's see 75 percent of all suicides are male and men are less likely to seek help society has taught men to mask their emotions something needs to change uh, and I'm just reading what this post is saying. Together we can encourage and destigmatize men's mental health. And it's just saying to share. So here are some statistics. 84 men a week die by suicide. 75% of all suicides are male. 25% of men live with mental illness. And so just any man that is dealing with it with either, you know, having depression or anxiety, they're feeling alone, all of that. Um, it's just this post is about sending love to you and making sure that you know that they're, you know, things are, that they have things too because they struggle with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, self-harm, 
they're, you know, they get heartbroken, they get abused, they get raped, they get judged. They have trauma. It's not just women. And so it's okay to, you know, be sad, but it's also okay to ask for help. And so I do believe that there's still a stigma on men not getting, like, that they're not supposed to seek mental health, they're not supposed to speak up. And I actually, last year, I remember posting about something around this time, too, because I, of course, have men in my family that have a really hard time asking for help, speaking up about their stuff, and so, that they're going through. And so, it's great to see a bunch more people bringing awareness. And when, you know, people say, like, oh, I'm in therapy, and I'm like, that's great. Like, that's awesome. And I'm, you know, I'm so happy that you can confide in someone because a lot of people, like, especially guys that I've dated I'm like, you, you know, you have a lot of trauma. Like, you need to go work that out. Like, you need to talk to someone because you can't talk to me about it. Like, you know, you need to try and talk to someone to get that worked out or else you're just going to be sitting here in this hole. And so the that's kind of the stigmas that there are. And those are kind of the statistics. So I just want to say that, you know, regardless if you're a man or, you know, a woman, like, Every, there are so many resources to help you and there is, you know, so much that your family, your friends can do. Like, please talk to someone and don't keep hiding it. And we're, you know, we're here for you. And if you ever need help, we can assist you in those. Um, I will just say the, I'm just going to say the um suicide hotline number one more time um so it's 1-800-273-8255 1-800-273-TALK also I know that there was a thing that went out earlier this year and it, it's kind of like if you press 911 this is 988 there's a suicide and cri- crisis lifeline it's available 24 hours. Um, so I think that's only for the U.S. Um, but they also have like it in Spanish as well. So that's just kind of what I wanted to say. Um, if anyone's struggling, please, please reach out. We're here for you. There's a lot of resources. You know, you're not alone. So well guys that's all that we have for you today as a reminder if you guys have any suggestions on topics or opinions you want to share with us please dm us at what is shitstorm pod or email us at what is shitstorm pod at outlook.com we love to create a listener section in the podcast to share you guys' thoughts and feedbacks on each topic tell us your stories and feelings thank you so much again for all the love and support on this we really do appreciate it don't forget to leave us a review and give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to bye Bye, stormtroopers. stormtroopers